What's good, Double Dribble Gang? As always, I'm your host, Jordan Harper, and I was planning on recording midweek this past week, but I heard there might be some good news on Sunday. So I was going to hold out and record this episode and get all of the content into one good episode. And sure enough, that good news came today. Noah Gurley, one of the top transfers in the portal, has committed to transfer to the University of Alabama. Noah Gurley is a six foot eight, two hundred ten pound. I call him a combo forward. He's played small forward, played power forward, and played a little bit of center as well. He is a very talented player. He is a little bit of what we thought Jordan Bruner would be, but more athletic. Okay, so Jordan Bruner, he's a good dribble pass shoot big, but he was at 6'11", and unfortunately injury kind of held him back from his true potential in his final year. But Noah Gurley has very little injury history. It should be a lot more durable than Jordan was. And this guy can shoot, he can dribble, he can pass, he can defend, he's athletic. He is everything Nate Oates wants to be have in a big guy and into a, in a big power forward and then some, okay? But I'm getting my head of myself. That's the fresh on-the-block on news. Let's back it up a little bit, okay? So Charles Bidiaco, I've been talking about him since late last year about a prospect that I was really high on that I thought Alabama would end up landing in the end. And it took a lot longer than what we expected. Okay? He came out and said late last year that he was going to decide by the end of the year. That didn't happen. January rolled by. He was going to announce at the end of January and then February and then March. But finally, he announced early April that he is going to commit to the University of Alabama. Okay, this is huge news because the front court was decimated with Herb Jones leaving, Jordan Bruner leaving, Alex Reese leaving. Alex Chiku, who knows how he's going to come back from, from injury. James Rojas, could he be on the move? You got Langston Wilson coming in, but he's still a Juco guy that's unproven. So you got a lot of inexperience in the front court. And obviously, Charles Bidiaco is going to add to that inexperience. But you need depth. Alabama does not have depth in the front court until now. You add Charles Bidiaco, you add Noah Gurley, Chiku coming off the uh, off injury, Langston Wilson coming in. Now you have a formidable front court. Alabama is going to have a really talented, raw, albeit raw, talented and athletic. Front court. Okay, Charles is a guy that I followed for the past two years. Originally from Canada, ended up transferring to IMG Academy down in Florida, pay, played on their post grad team, and he's a raw big man as well. But the ceiling is so high for him. Okay, he's skilled around the basket, he can rebound, he can defend the rim. He's more of a back against the basket type of big man. He's not somebody that's going to step out and shoot the three, even though he does have the ability to develop that kind of shot and that kind of game. And I think he will over time in Alabama. 
but he's going to make his money and he's going to be make his presence down low. He's going to be a rebound machine. He's going to be an offensive rebound putback guy, and he's going to be the he's going to end up growing into being a force down low. Okay, him and Alex Chiku are going to be a great one-two combo in the future. So he's going to add a lot to the front court. Now let's talk a little bit about the backcourt. Alabama's going to probably have one of the most talented backcourts in the country, the country, next season. You got Javon Quinterly, who ended up blowing up after he got off of his little Ill, his illness midway through the season. He came back, came off the bench, and was a force. Should have been sixth man of the year. Got robbed by JT Note. He should have been. He carried Alabama at the end of the season. He carried them to an SEC championship. He carried them to the Sweet 16. Okay, he's a 20-point machine off the bench. Imagine what he's going to do in the starting lineup, even though he did get starter minutes. But imagine what he's going to do in the starting lineup. Okay, you got Javon Quinterly. You got Jaden Shackford, who led that Alabama in scoring his freshman year and top three his sophomore year. Now he's going into his junior year. You got Joshua Primo, who showed flashes last year, albeit an inconsistent freshman year, which to be expected, but he still had very bright spots. Now you're going to be adding somebody like J.D. Davison, top 10 player in the country coming in. I think he probably starts off the bench to start the season. I'll be, if he comes in and he just tears it up in summer, sure, yeah, he can definitely be in the starting lineup. He's that talented. He is super talented. He can take Jaden Shackelford's spot at the two guard, run JQ and JD together, and that is a nasty backcourt. But I think he ends up starting off the bench, but that just gives you another playmaker at point guard to come off the bench when JQ get, either gets rest or if he gets in foul trouble. So you got J.D. Davison, okay, Jusain Holt, another recruit out of this class. He's probably going to be a redshirt guy, might play some mop-up duty. He's going to be a three- to four-year player. You're going to have talent. Keon Ellis comes back for his senior year. He showed a lot of big-time of potential. That backcourt's going to be nasty. So let's add to it, why don't we? And that's exactly what Alabama did. They added Namari Burnett, one of the top transfers in the portal as well from Texas Tech. Alabama should have landed Namari Burnett his senior year of high school. But he made what I thought was a bad decision. You can't question the kid's decision, but I will say that he made a poor decision going to Texas Tech over Alabama. He is a perfect fit for a combo guard in Nate Oates' offense. Very skilled passer, good dribbler, Really good offensive game. I really liked what he did in high school. And I think he's going to fit like a glove. He's a guy that could play the two guard. He could run some point. He's 6'4", close to 200 pounds now. Probably be 210 by the season. He's a big guy, and he can really defend with his length. 
this backcourt is going to be insane. So you add a former five-star guy in Charles Bidiaco, very borderline five-star. He's like the number one four-star, according to 24-7. Then you got Namari Burnett, who was a five-star at one point, dropped down a little bit at the end of the rankings his senior year. And then you add somebody like Noah Gurley. We're going to talk about him now. Six-foot-eight, 215-pound combo forward from Furman, who averaged 15-5 and five at Furman. He did a number on Alabama when they played him this past year, scored 15 on him, scored 20 on Auburn, I believe, two years ago. Might have been this year. I can't remember. He scored 20 of them, 20 on them, though. He can score against Power 5 conferences. He is going to be a huge addition. I think he could start right away. That's how high I am on him. He could start at the 4 or the 5. Considering the front court, a lot of question marks with some of them. I think Noah Gurley is going to be the most skilled. I think he's going to be the most refined and polished big man on this roster. So you add three guys like that to this team, with all the talent that's already on there, man, Nate Oates is turning this program into a powerhouse waiting to happen. Okay? A powerhouse. Sure, they went 16-15 and 15 his first year. He had hardly any players that he wanted on that team for his system. One year, he completely turned that roster around in a COVID year. Do not forget, it's a COVID year. You could not visit with these players. Okay? You could not. You could only do Zoom conferences. But he got the guys that he wanted in, like Jordan Bruner, and he recruited very effectively. And then he got the guys out that didn't fit his system. And did all of that in one year to turn them around to having one of the best SEC seasons of all time, going 16 and 2, winning the regular season conference or regular season championship and the tournament championship. Insane. Insane turnaround. One of the biggest turnarounds I've seen in recent years. And then to go on and go to the Sweet 16, losing to UCLA in heartbreaking fashion. But this team's only scratching the surface, y'all. It's only scratching the surface. And once you thought, oh, John Petty's gone, Herb Jones is gone, you lose Reese and Bruner in the front court, team's going to have a little bit of a step back. Not the case, my friends. Nate Oates goes out and signs what is now the number three recruiting class in the country. And that's not counting Amari Burnett and Noah Gurley. That is just high school recruits and JUCO recruits, particularly top 10 player in the country, J.D. Davison, and number two JUCO player, Langston Wilson. Then you add in Charles Bidiaco, top 30 player, and Jusane Holt, top 100 player. Alabama is here to stay for in college basketball. As long as Nate Oates is here, and I think he's going to be here for a good while, 
Caleb, unless he is just blown away with an offer from either an NBA team or from a big-time college basketball program, I think he's perfectly happy being at Alabama. He has stated it multiple times. He loves being at a football school. Okay, He loves not having the spotlight on him at all times. He loves having that second sport that does awesome as well. And Alabama's having a lot of sports that's doing really good right now. He likes it. He likes living in Alabama. He loves Tuscaloosa. He's close to the beach. I think going from the north to the south, he's realized that the south is the way to go. And as long as that Nate Oates is here, Alabama's going to stay a top three team in the SEC. You know Kentucky's probably going to stay up there. Right now, you say Alabama's going to be up there for a while, considering the talent. And you know Nate Oates is going to be able to recruit year in and year out based on the style he plays and based on the results he gets from the style he plays. Now, you can say no team's ever going to win the national championship that shoots that many threes and gets that many points from the three-point shot. But I think you're wrong. I think you're wrong because we haven't seen it enough to know. Okay, Auburn made it to the Final Four shooting majority of their majority of threes. They came really close to making the national championship. And you can use that as an example of you can make it. But I don't think that we've seen it enough to really know. This style is new to college basketball. And Nate Oates is one of the pioneers that's kind of moving the NBA game to the college game. And until we get more results and more evidence of whether this can work or not, I'm going to shut down any type of argument that anybody has about three-point shooting teams can't go far in the tournament because they can. Okay? They can. And Alabama shoots more twos than they do threes. They shoot about 30 threes a game. They shoot over 40 twos a game. They average close to 70 shots a game. Okay? Half, nearly half of their points from the field last year were from three, and the other half were from two. That's called balance. Okay? That's called balance. That's not live and die by the three. You want to get to 70% of all your points are from threes? That's living and dying by the three. But you can only shoot a two or a three, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're getting half from three, half from two, that's balance. And they're getting about 36% of their points from three, total points. You can only get points from three different places, from two, from three, and from free throws. And if you're close to 33%, That's called balance. You're getting 33% from free throws, 33% from two, and 33% from three. That's a balanced offense. That's like running it 50 times a game or 40 times a game in football and passing it 40 times. Same difference. So I don't want to hear any of that. So what a week recruiting-wise. Nate Oates goes out and gets Namari Burnett, Charles Bidiaco, and Noah Gurley to add to their roster for next season. Now, 
Where does that leave Alabama's roster? That leaves them two spots over the scholarship limit. Now, anybody can discuss on who they think is going to get pushed out. But I'm not here to discuss that. Okay? I have my theories, but I'm not going to roast anybody on this podcast because I love every single one of the players on the team. And I'm not going to put them out like that. But two players must go unless the NCAA does pass the scholarship limit law or limit rule that increases it next year to 14 scholarships per team. And that would make it to where Alabama only have to push out one player. And that would be the ideal scenario. So Alabama's roster is going to be top five good next season. Top five. There's not going to be a team with a backcourt as deep and talented as Alabama's in the country next season. The difference in Alabama, what Alabama's going to do next season is going to be in the front court. If those guys like Alex Chiku are, comes out to be as good as what they're advertised to be, if Bidiaco can catch on early, Flankston Wilson can just be an athletic force in the dunker spot. They can just play their role and develop in the offseason. Alabama will be a top five team next year, and it's not – outlandish to say that they'll probably win the SEC next year too. SEC is going to be better than what it was last year. Don't expect Kentucky to have another down year next season. Tennessee will more than likely have a better year than what they did this year. A lot of disappointing teams last year, but they were still solid. It's not like Tennessee Tennessee still made the tournament as as a seven seed or as a five. I remember if they were a seven or a five. Anyway, Florida made a decent run in the tournament. Alabama made it to the Sweet 16. Arkansas made it to the Elite Eight. Okay? Heck, it's irrelevant, but Mississippi State made it to the NIT Championship. The SEC is going to be better next season. But I think Alabama is going to raise its game up along with the SEC to where there's not that much of a gap. And I think Alabama's going to end up being better than what they were this season. That doesn't mean they're going to have as good of a record as they did this season, but I think their team overall will be better. With a full season, a full non-conference slate, full practices, this team's going to have a chance to really gel and develop. It took a little bit for the team last year to gel, which is why they started off 4-3. and three. But once they did and won 10 in a row in the SEC – You could just tell. This coaching staff, this team is different. This program is different. And look for Alabama to be at the top of the SEC again next season and be another high, probably top three, top four seed in the NCAA tournament again next season. It's exciting times in Alabama basketball. And I cannot wait for next November. Cannot wait for Alabama's season to start again. And I just can't wait to watch Alabama basketball again. Probably the most exciting times of Alabama basketball in my lifetime. And I go back to the early 19 early 1990s. 
So back into wimp days. So that's all I have on this podcast. I covered the three big fishes that Alabama landed. Namari Burnett, Charles Bidiaco, and Noah Gurley. This team is going to be stacked. It's going to be athletic. It's going to play fast. It's going to be fun. I hope you all are down for the ride. For the Double Dribble Podcast, my name is Jordan Harper. I thank you again for tuning in and look for hopefully another episode next week. I'll start recording once a week now since the season has died off and looks like recruiting has died off as Alabama's roster is now over the limit. So until next time for the Double Dribble Podcast, adios.